0: to another episode of the Playlist Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike D'Angelo, and on this episode, Brian and I got to sit down and talk with Emmy award-winning actor Matthew Reese. He's currently out discussing his Emmy-nominated role uh, as the lead in Perry Mason, which is available right now on HBO Max. We got to talk about taking over that role uh, from Robert Downey Jr., working you know, on such a high-profile prestige series and the pressures that go along with that. You also get to hear us kind of ring any kind of details we can uh, out of him about the new Gremlin series. I'll let you hear for yourself if we get anything out of him on that one. But before we get to our chat, I've got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. It can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Feel free to follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or rating. And as always, thank you for listening. Now, without further delay, our chat with the delightful Matthew Reese. First of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for talking to us and very excited to talk Perry Mason, which is currently on HBO Max. And yeah, so I guess congratulations on the the Emmy nomination. Obviously, you undoubtedly deserve this. It uh, looks exhausting for a role. <laughs> I just kind of wanted to give you a hug by the end of it, but hopefully you were you were feeling pretty positive coming out of it. Yeah, no,
1: it,
2: it was uh, one of the heavier ones. You know, mm-hmm. I I'd I it might be cruel of me to say relentless um, to the writing team. But uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, it, and unforgiving at times, but given the subject matter. But, you know. I read it. That's what I signed up for, so I'll
1: shut up.
0: (laughs) So speaking of the role of Perry Mason itself, it wasn't necessarily something that was up for grabs when it was first announced. I know Robert Downey Jr. kind of was shepherding it to produce it and act in it at the same time. He had to take off for whatever reasons and supposedly hand-selected you for the role. How does that when? You get approached like that. Do you just immediately say yes, or are you kind of like intimidated, or you're just like, what the hell do I do with this?
2: Yeah, all of the above. But yes, yeah. very intimidated, very intimidated to know that Robert was kind of pegged to play it mm-hmm. because. That, that was just an added pressure <laughs> that I didn't need to any job, let alone one of this size, magnitude, and caliber. But yeah, because you kind of go, well, a HBO expecting a performance as good as Robert Downey Jr.'s? <laughs> yeah, it, I, you know, I heaped uh, a healthy amount of pressure onto myself as a result of that, which was in itself uh, enough to put me off. Also, the taking on of Perry Mason, I, I personally have an idea of what, Perry Mason is you know I was I was discussing I was talking to John Lithgow about this earlier today about where the generation generational cutoff is for Perry Mason where at what age do they start going who's Perry Mason yeah Uh, and we found it was around between 30 and 35 people go who's Perry Mason, and then kind of 40 plus so yeah everyone has an idea of who Perry Mason is. And then kind of 60, 70, they have an idea that there's only one person that is Perry Mason or should be Perry Mason. So it's weird. Sometimes you take on a part, this happened to me in the past where you take on a part that a lot of people have an idea of who or what it should be, but not necessarily a very concrete one. So all those things factor in and feed my demons and then just put on a big hat and did it.
0: Yeah. And it turned out great, but Did you and Robert cross paths at all as it was? Did he just check in with you and be like, hey, I could do it better (laughs) just to make you feel good? (laughs) You're really messing this up, dude.
2: Uh, Yes, he was. I think, you know, I think he's aware enough of who he is and his effect on actors that he certainly left me alone. He checked in sporadically knowing that, you know, maybe if he was on set, I would be going,
1: oh my God, it's Robert Downey Jr.
2: So he was... You know, he was a little um, sparing in his in his set visits, so so that I wouldn't lose it too much. And he now, you know, certainly didn't tell me any kind of oh, you know, you might want to think about this or do this. It was all like, you know, you got the reins now, you got the reins now, kid.
1: (laughs) You know, you mentioned like, you know, people being aware of Perry Mason. I mean, did you go back and watch the old show, or did you treat it like the show never existed? Like, how did you prepare personally for this role?
2: Yeah, yeah. Short answer is yes. I absolutely treated it like the show never existed. Because I know from past experience, when I've done something similar, I whether it's conscious or not, will elicit some kind of mimicry. I, I know I can't help but do it, and then probably will get shot down for it Is Like he's just impersonating Robert Raymond Burr. Um, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't go I didn't go near it. And also, you know, the show itself, our show was so different to what the original was. I felt you know strong enough in in that sense that. It was never going to be a problem. The, the research, the work I did was primarily I researched kind of L.A. in the 30s at that, that time. Just no real research that, that would inform any performance. The only, that, the only research to that extent that I did was research kind of First World War, War veterans returning and how they coped, you know, post, post-World War. And those are the two elements that I kind of researched going in.
1: I would definitely say this is, you know, a prestige show in every way, acting direction, production design, cinematography, super top-notch, super immersive too. I mean, it just feels like you're, it just immerses you in feeling like you're watching something from that age. And you had the good fortune to work on at least a few of these kinds of projects in TV and film. So like for you, what's it like to walk on set and just have everything firing on all cylinders, like, is there more pressure at that point? Yeah,
2: definitely. You know, you know, it being Perry Mason, it already had this weight with it that there was an expectation. It's HBO show, so, you know, the scale is going to be good. HBO don't skimp on it. So they laid on the coin. So you're just like, oh, my God, there's so much money's been spent. I really can't mess this up. There was, the pressure was far far greater. Like you say, the scale of it is so big, you walk on and panic. That's what I certainly did. Uh, (laughs) The the acting achievement is just hiding your panic.
0: And it obviously went very well from ratings and uh, critically, so obviously you guys are on the right page, but... With season two, your showrunners are kind of swapping. I know uh, Ron and Roland, Ron Fitzgerald and Roland Jones decided to go to a different project. Jack, uh, Emil, and, and Michael, is it Begler? Um, yeah. The, the creators are the, the Nick, co-creators in the Nick, which we love over mm-hmm. here. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to start on season two. Have you interacted or started anything with them? And, and what do they yeah. bring that's new?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're quite, quite far down the line. Um, you know, scripts are coming in and, you know, we're at that stage So we've been working with them for some time what's it, what's great about those two is they've had a they have a great obsession ironically with los angeles in 1930s they have <laughs> they have their own show they've been trying to get made about it And they were like, oh, the transition was very seamless for them because it was a time period that they just know inside out and specifically Los Angeles, which is kind of amazing. So um, it was it was a very, you know, easy segue for them to to come in and and take over. And, you know, they have they bring their own kind of skill set.
0: So uh we're both huge fans of like amblin era movies so we're obviously like very much aware that of the gremlins in the room right now that you're involved with the next gremlins uh secrets of the Magwe project I just, a,
2: I just got a text from amblin about about about, about, uh, about uh yeah about gremlins
0: nice can you tease anything about that and your role in it um <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've messed this up so many times. They're like,
2: Why did you say that? you like, Oh, sorry, i supposed to say that. No, you fool. <laughs> you're not a white. You don't sound anything like a bog white. um uh... You could.
0: We believe you could.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, e- 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 oh, God. I'm so. Tired. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to shut up about this because it, it's got me in hot water in the past. And I'd have to check the press notes. About what I see it how it is. I see I how it, it is. Man.
1: Yeah, but they
2: they just texted to say how happy they are with it. So oh, that's good.
1: Awesome. Well, I mean, with some of your other projects, I know you have one in the works called Heart of Darkness. It's like an animated project with you and Martin Sheen and Andrew Scott. Is is that still happening? Is there anything you can tease about that one? The, the only thing I tease is
2: they are still kind of trying to get that made at, the, at this time. It's uh, it's a, it's a slow burn. They're still trying to finance that one, so nothing as yet. And you know, we we've kind of signed on on. I, I've kind of signed on on the premise alone. I was kind of in, but um, <laughs> no, there's 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 nothing that we can. Don't because we, we haven't done anything yet. So fingers crossed they get that raised.
1: Sure. And then, like, you know, just kind of piggybacking on that, even with, like, Gremlins, too. I mean, just from your perspective, I mean, what is it – like, what is the transition like for you? Like, how easy is it to transition from – you know, the world of like Perry Mason to the world of voice acting and voiceovers. I mean, I'm always curious, like how you make that transition. I mean, just going from, you know, like the prestige I mentioned before to sitting in a vocal booth and recording like that. Like, what's that like for you? I'm is to grand that the
2: idea that just after Perry Mason was like a vacation because mm-hmm. you go in, you know, with, with Mason, regardless of how much money people like HBO spend, there's still very little time to get it right. You mm-hmm. kind of, you hope that all will go goes well. And then you go into Gremlins to into a voice booth in your sweatpants and you can literally do it and do it and do it and do it until you go, Oh yeah. Okay. I think that was, I got it. I tell you, that was the one I got. Whereas, you know, you can't ask for 22 takes on, um, on Mason. Cause they're like, mm-hmm. no, we're going to move on. Yeah. And you get to, and, and obviously because it's an animated series, you get, you get to play, you get to be, to
1: do the big performances usually you're not allowed to do (laughs) on film and television. And so I know you have another, another show on top of Perry Mason. And I'm just kind of curious, like how, (laughs) how do you find the time? for all this you're just <laughs> super busy <laughs> i know it's this show uh, extraterrestrial and exile who was sent to earth uh, in an attempt to understand humanity called word or or is it just a secret remake of third rock from the sun or <laughs> i mean
2: what do you tell me about that yeah it's, it, it's actually called weird, uh, weird and you'll find out why the spelling is wyrd yes and To be perfectly honest, that's just in development at FX at the moment uh, with an incredible writer called Sheldon Turner and the producer Jennifer Klein. So we're still chipping away at that. We're desperately hoping FX will greenlight the script and we'll get it made.
0: Perry Mason is is one of those things. Again, I just rewatched it just to kind of get it fresh in my head. And it's uh, one thing that always kind of comes up is like, oh, I love that show, but it was so dark how are you guys approaching the next season? Is it still like kind of plunging into the darkness of LA or how, he, where do you think it still? Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah, yes. There'll still be that darkness
2: there. That I think, I think the boys are bringing a, a lightness. I think, you know, this wasn't by no means any, any wrong decision, but the choice of case that was for Mason set a precedent and a tone as to that darkness throughout. And it was tragically based on um, a real case and yeah. amalgamation cases in in LA at that time and I just think once once you kind of started that place it, it, it sets it up for what it's going to be for the, for the eight episodes but Jack and Michael certainly bring um, a lightness uh, a lightness possibly more of a lightness than we saw last season which is great I hope hopefully
0: it'll be fun Oh, well, we're looking forward to it, and I don't yes. want to take up too much of your time. I know you got a heart out here, so I just want to thank you for taking the time to join us here again on the Playlist Podcast. Again, everybody, Perry Mason is now on HBO Max in its entirety. It is worth the watch.
2: Thank you, gents, and thank you for the inv- invitation.